Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine. And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine. This is a bonus edition in which we'll be discussing the government's decision earlier this month to extend its new requirement for second staircases in tower blocks, intended to improve fire safety, to a much wider range of buildings. But before we get into that, John, tell us about the key news stories from the past seven days. Probably the biggest news story of the past week is that the House of Lords has voted down the government's proposed amendment to its levelling up and regeneration bill that would have told councils to ignore the impact of development on protected sites. Earlier in the week, the Labour Party announced that it would oppose the government's attempt to scrap so-called nutrient neutrality requirements via changes to its levelling up bill in the House of Lords. Another big story that broke on Friday is the Housing Minister Rachel McLean ordering Spelthorne Borough Council in Surrey not to withdraw its emerging local plan from examination, pointing out that it's been 14 years since it last adopted a development strategy. And this is the first such government intervention in a local plan process in four years. In other news, peers have succeeded in adding an amendment to the levelling up bill which was co-tabled by a Conservative former Housing and Planning Minister, that would allow local authorities to set their own planning application fees. Elsewhere, seven Sheffield City councillors that were suspended from the Labour Party group for voting against the authorities' draft local plan said they did so to stand up for residents who had, in their words, responded loudly and in numbers to oppose the document's proposal for a traveller site as part of a wider employment land allocation. Meanwhile, the planning minister, Rachel McLean, has approved 1,200 homes on an unallocated greenfield site in Essex after agreeing with an inspector that Uttlesford District Council's significant and persistent housing delivery shortfall outweighed the scheme's harm to a conservation area and a Grade 1 listed church. And finally, a planning inspector has rejected a developer's appeal against the refusal of seven applications for a total of 788 homes on Greenbelt land in the Wirral Merseyside on the basis that the cumulative effect of the proposals, none of which are supported in the local authorities' emerging local plan, would undermine the plan-making process. Fantastic. Well, many thanks, John. And of course, more details on all of those stories can be found on planningresource.co.uk, where you'll also be able to find details of our survey of planning consultants. So if you're a consultancy firm and you've not yet received a form to uh, submit your details for this year's consultancy survey due to be published in November, then please do have a look at that story where you'll find out the information you need. So now to return to Room 106 for our deep dive. The Grenfell Tower disaster of 2017 has prompted a series of government measures to improve fire prevention. At the end of last year, ministers consulted on new building regulations, which proposed that residential developments more than 30 metres tall should have a second staircase. This prompted widespread uncertainty among developers, who were reported to be delaying schemes while waiting for the government to finalise details of the requirement. Now the government, although still to publish the relevant regulations and standards, has said that it will broaden the requirement, 
so that it applies to new housing schemes more than 18 metres high. So I'm heading back into room 106 to find out more about the proposed change and its implications for developers and planning authorities. See you later, John. Okay, good luck. Well, here I am again in the room in which all new planning information is gathered. I think our regular contributor, David Blackman, will be in the section where they keep government announcements. Ah, here he is. Hello, David. Hello, Richard. Good to see you again. So what is it that the government's requiring developers to do in terms of including second staircases in tall buildings? Well, this is a um, a rather surprise announcement that came out um, at the end of July in a big speech that Michael Gove made about the future of housing policy. And he popped in this um, what was a fairly surprised suggestion to reduce the threshold at which second staircases will be required from 30 metres to 18 metres. This is for residential buildings. Okay, so the government had previously talked about introducing this requirement on tall buildings, but Previously, the idea had been to stipulate a much higher threshold. So what prompted this move? Well, really, I think it was um, there was a lot of feedback from people like um, fire chiefs, architects, people generally concerned that 30 metres was a bit too high, potentially unsafe. And of course, the background for all of this is the Grenfell Tower disaster, which has prompted this move to enhance fire safety generally in the built environment. So yes, as you said, the original proposal was to make the threshold for a second staircase 30 metres. But um, I think they they received such a lot of um, feedback that 18 metres would be safer that they plumped for that in the end. So there was just a worry that there would still be tall buildings left by a 30 metre requirement that would be unsafe without the second staircase. That's right, yeah. The development industry has been worrying about this for a a while because they say they just haven't had any certainty about how it's going to be taken forward. How much is the change from an 18-metre to 30-metre threshold, how much is that going to broaden the impact of the requirement? I don't think there are any hard and fast figures out there, but we're talking about a lot more development will be brought into the ambit of this regulation now that the threshold's been lowered. In terms of when this bites... What has to happen before these changes are actually implemented and by when can we expect them to be enacted? Therein lies a tale, sadly. Um, We're going to require lots of a whole raft of regulations through the building regulations in order to implement this. But at the moment, we don't really have any detail yet from the government on how this is going to be introduced. I think as one correspondent said, we don't have regulations, we don't have any legislation. All we've got at the moment is a ministerial statement. I mean, there has been talk about transitional arrangements on the part of the government. But again, the government were talking about, well, they were, I think that the rhetoric was working rapidly with the industry to develop this over the summer. It's still pretty warm, but uh, I think the summer's more or less finished now. So um, the industry really wants to see some of these details being fleshed out very, very urgently. And I think the government talked about if they can find ways to avoid delays, their quote was where there are other more appropriate mitigations. So they are holding out the prospect to developers that where they've started a scheme or whether a scheme is somewhere down the pipeline, it's not clear whether that means a construction pipeline or the planning pipeline, but there might be other ways of mitigating risk other than the second staircase? They have talked about this, but really there's just no detail out there at the moment. And the development sector's 
they're not saying we don't want to build these second staircases. That would be a, seen as an absolute dereliction of, of, of duty on the part of the, the sector. But they're just saying we need certainty about exactly what the rules are and exactly what we have to do and by when we need to start doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's got to be taken into account is that um, developers are, they've got concerns about this. I mean, it's not just, you know, when the, when the rules come into place, immediately they change or they, or they don't implement these changes until the rules come into place. They've got to take notice of their insurers, their funders, their reputation. There are lots of drivers, which means that they're likely to start to want to implement this before the strict letter of the law comes into place. And what about the impact so far? The big impact will be simple pausing of schemes while things are being reworked. So, I mean, everybody re- recognises that these changes are coming down the pipe. So we've already seen people start to rework schemes which were over 30 metres high. So that's been going on for several months since the government consultation, which you referred to earlier on, came out. Well, now that whole process is now being embarked upon for anything that's over 18 metres tall now. I mean, of course, there will be some people who won't be trying to rework their schemes. But I mean, I think the feedback from the correspondent, certainly I was talking to, is that most of that, that's the route that that most developers are going down. And of course, that means delays. Yep, means delays. It means schemes have to be sort of fundamentally reworked. I mean, the uncertainty is a real problem here because at the moment people don't know the kind of spec that they have to, they're going to have to build these second staircases to. We've all seen the, the scenes from New York where a, a typical second staircase is a, is a sealed staircase running down the side of the building. Um, I mean, we're not expecting something like that, but we're expecting from the point of view of developers, they don't know whether it has to be a, um, a fairly narrow staircase down which you know, people can escape or whether it's a wider staircase that would accommodate firefighters and firefighting equipment. So, and again, that, that has a big impact on the amount of space that you have to carve out from a building. So that then has implications for you know, the number of units within, with, with, within buildings the size of the individual flats within buildings. That then, of course, also has implications for planning gain and the amount of affordable housing that can be included within schemes. So, and then, of course, you're then into sort of really awkward conversations about viability and how much how much affordable housing can be delivered within schemes. Okay, so it's not just a matter of redesigning some of these buildings. It would, it would also be a matter of taking maybe taking them through the planning system again or restarting some conversations that had already taken place about affordable housing provision, etc. It's potentially a very long-winded process. I mean, I spoke with Greg Hill for the purposes of this article, one of the uh, the larger house builders, not quite sort of the, the top five, but he was saying that this is going to take potentially sort of five years or so to completely wash through the system, particularly for schemes where there's a fairly substantial affordable housing component or where there's a it's a partnership with a housing association so this is potentially quite long lasting in its impact on the on the development industry and on housing delivery generally okay um we've talked about the impact on developers but what about local authority planning departments <laughs> well uh, of course for local authority planning departments they probably need reworking or revising schemes which they've already pushed through the system like a hole in the head so i mean this is going to be quite difficult to do there are mechanisms for doing it, like Section 73, Section 96, where you can make modifications, perhaps without the need to go for the full-blown planning process. But nevertheless, it's going to take time, particularly if it involves reopening what are often fairly awkward conversations about planning gain and about affordable housing contributions. So yes, we all know that planning departments are very under-resourced, so it's going to make their 
their life even more difficult and more difficult to push through new development. So everybody's going to be waiting very keenly for more information on exactly when these regulations are going to come forward and, and what's in the, uh, in the detail of the regulations. We needed the certainty about this yesterday, really, or at least you know, quite a while ago, because all the while there's uncertainty, then, of course, people can't really make design decisions and hence replan their developments. I mean, we know the government is, has a, a stated commitment. On the same day that Michael Gove was talking about this topic, the main theme of his speech that day was about brownfield development. Well, we all know that to make it work financially, brownfield development often involves high-density housing, high-rise housing. So what's being proposed here with these Titan standards is just going to make more difficult the kind of brownfield housing which the government is, uh, has said it's really keen on. So, yeah, very difficult. Okay, well, th- thank you very much, David. I look forward to seeing you again in Room 106 soon, and I'll leave you here amongst the paperwork. Indeed. <laughs> See you soon. Great, that's another edition completed. We'll be back next week with another update on the past fortnight's biggest planning news stories. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. And to get a daily bulletin of planning news, plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Our thanks to producers Inga Marsden and Till Owen from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink, and thanks for listening.